there's this legend, uh, and I say the legend, people talk about it as if it, it absolutely definitely happened, but we, I don't know if we really have any evidence that in, in uh, New England churches, they would walk around with these sticks, these long sticks, and on the one end would be a nail, and on the other end would be a feather. And as people kind of, you know, dozed off, you know, they, they did, um, I would say, you know, a little uh, Bill Dowler, you know, like they kind of dozed off. Um, I'm, I, Bill's awake, that's why I said that. Um, still, anyway. Um, they, depending on who it was, they would walk up and they might decide that person needs the nail, give them a little poke in the side, or, you know, maybe if they were just kind of gingerly not focused, they would give them the feather. And I, I like that image because I think sometimes when we interact uh, with God, at least I, I know um, there are times where, where you know, I, he just has to, you know, just get my little attention and I'm there, I'm present, I get it. There are other times I'm totally stubborn. I have no idea what's going on. He's pushing into me and finally I need that tack, you know, in the backside. And so for some of us this morning, this might, this might feel like a, like a, just the, the, the tenderest of nudges that'll get you to understand what God is hoping for you. For others, it might be a little bit sharper. So let's jump into God's word. We're going to be looking at Luke 18, 1 through 14. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because of the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed this, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes on all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray together. Oh, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Now let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for this time in your holy word, and we ask you, Lord, just to give us your grace. We ask you to give us clarity. We thank you for this time together, and uh, would you bless it to us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when I I first got married uh, to—I'm sorry, when I first started dating Joanna, I I didn't lead the, the first night that we went out on a date. Hey, can I tell you a, a funny story about a time where I was embarrassed? I, I didn't do that. I said, hey, the first thing I want you to know off the bat as we get started, when I was in sixth grade gym class, I split my pants, and everybody laughed, but the gym teacher, he didn't believe me. Like, you know, it, it wasn't obvious. And so he made me finish gym class like that with a split pair of pants. I, I didn't lead with that. Because... Honestly, most of the time, we don't like talking about our failures. We don't like talking about things that are not kind of these shining, beautiful successes. A lot of us don't like talking about prayer because of the same thing. We look at our prayer life, and whether or not we pray a lot, whether or not we pray a little, we all just kind of feel like it probably should be something more. It probably should be something different. And so we really don't want to talk about it. But we're going to, and Jesus invites us to. We've got these two stories that are both on prayer. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at each one of them individually, and then we're going to ask what happens when we actually read them together. Now, in in this first one, Luke tees up the story this way. It says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to lose heart. That the purpose of this parable was to encourage us about praying and not losing heart. That Jesus told this story because he knew there were going to be times in your life where there was a worry, there was a concern, and you would ask him about it. And you wouldn't get the answer that you wanted right away. And there would be this temptation, and you would say, he, he just must, he must, not, he must not care. Or maybe even worse, you would have this temptation to think, Maybe I did something. Maybe he just won't talk to me anymore. Maybe Maybe I'm blacklisted by God. And so Jesus tells this story. He says, okay, I want you to imagine a situation. It's entirely a fictitious event. He says, there's this woman... And she, she's got this problem. There's this kind of local conflict, you know, her, her adversary, I think it says in the passage. And she goes to a local authority who's the one who's supposed to help. And she asks him to help. And he doesn't care. He just kind of blows it off. And he is not a self-described good guy. 
Jesus says, look, this is the kind of guy doesn't care about God, doesn't care about other people. He's on his own. He does not care what you think of him. But she asks again. And she asks again. And she asks again. And she asks again. And this man says to himself, I don't care about God or anybody else. But I don't want to have to hear this woman come to me again. <laughs> that she, she kind of bugs him enough that he finally answers her. And he says, okay, I will give her what she's asking for. And Jesus says, look, guys, if there was some hypothetical terrible person out there who would answer the right way because you bug them enough, what do you think a good God is going to do? See, he told us this story because he wanted us to persist in our prayers. See, what happens sometimes is that we think to ourselves, Lord, I, I need you to do this thing in my life. And then we open our eyes and we expect it sitting on the table in front of us. And it doesn't happen. And, and, and we can say, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I did something wrong. And then somebody, well, maybe I, maybe I prayed wrong. Maybe, I, I, maybe my prayer needs to be longer. Maybe I didn't throw enough King James in my prayer. And so we, we do a longer prayer or a louder prayer or a quieter prayer. Or we pray on our knees or we do. And we don't get the answer immediately that we're hoping for. And there would be this temptation, like I said, that we would think that there's something wrong with us, that there's something defective in us. And Jesus wants us to know that that's not what's going on. I, I mean, I, I probably talked about before with many of you that I regularly pray for, for Sylvan especially. And I say, Lord, would you, would you give... Would you let him walk, God? Would you let him talk, God? Would you let him use his hands in a way that every other three-year-old gets to use their hands as far as I can see? And I said that once, and I say it again, and I say it again, and again. And so far, the Lord has not answered that prayer the way that I want him to answer that prayer. And yet, in my praying, in my persistence, I think a lot of good is happening in our life. I think if you met the DeSocio family without Sylvan, you'd say, what a bunch of jerks. Not Joanna, I mean, but everybody else. <laughs> but there's a sense where, where sometimes the Lord slows down the request that we're hoping for in order to, to kind of work in us and, and do something in us. But he says, God wants to answer your prayers. Even if when you throw something at him and you say a request and he doesn't immediately answer, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to answer you. Here's how one of Jesus' disciples would summarize 
this teaching of Jesus. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You can take your worries and your concerns and your heart and you can bring them to God. And he is not too busy to hear our prayers. Jesus says, in fact, God is happy for you to go to him and to ask and to persist. One of my favorite uh, people in the history of God's church is uh, St. Augustine. He was a a church leader at the end of the Roman Empire. We're not going to get into a full history lesson here, but he was this pastor and leader at this moment that the church needed somebody who would ask, what happens when the culture changes? What happens when the world changes? What happens when everything feels upside down? And God bless this man, Augustine, to to write and to lead and to pastor in, in this moment to help the church as the whole Roman Empire was falling around them realize, God is here, we will make it, it will be okay. But Augustine didn't grow up this saint. In fact, he grew up a pretty terrible kid. His dad died when he was young. His mom was a single mother. Her name was Monica. She was raising three children in the Roman Empire as a single woman. That's not easy. And apparently, really early on, like preteen, teen, uh, Augustine went off the rails. They didn't have rails in the Roman world, so just bear with me. He, he was just a terrible kid. He ran off, did whatever he wants. He talked about how he would, he would steal just because it was good and it was funny. He, did, he got into all the worst kinds of trouble. And his mother prayed, God, would you lead him back? And then he grew up a little bit. He got a job, he made a little money. And he got even worse. He spent his money in the worst possible ways you can imagine. He drank too much. He just ran around from idea to idea, party to party, big city to big city, looking for something. And his mother persisted in prayer. Lord, will you bring him back? Lord, will you bring him back? Lord, will you bring him back? And through his 20s, she prayed, Lord, Will you bring him back? And into his 30s, she prayed, Lord, will you bring him back? And finally, finally, Augustine was sitting in this little park. (laughs) And he heard these kids playing this game that, that apparently doesn't exist, but he thought he heard a kid say, pick up and read the Bible. And he was like, what kid says, pick up and read the Bible? That's really, really weird. But he felt like he had to pick up and read the Bible for some reason. And all of a sudden, this man who had just run from God and run to every twisted thing that you could possibly imagine became a a leader and and a hope in the church. All because his mother, for decades, persisted in prayer when it seemed like obviously God wasn't going to answer her. Maybe there's something going on with you right now in your life. 
Maybe there's some opportunity that you've been hoping for. And you've asked once and maybe twice, and you feel like you want to quit on it. But, it, but it's, it's one of those things that's kind of like deep down you care a lot about. God invites you to persist in prayer. Maybe there's someone in your life, a, a, a friend, a relative who's sick, or there's something going sideways in their life in a similar way to the way that Monica was praying for Augustine. God invites you to persist. He, he says, look, I'm not going to get bored with you. I'm not going to get tired of you. You're not bugging me. I know there's, there's this sense where we might say, oh, no, no, God is too busy. There's too much going on. I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just, you know, throw that little kind of peanut-sized concern at the God of the universe. God invites you to pray. He invites you to cast your cares on him. Now, Jesus says that to those who he wanted to make sure that they didn't lose heart. But then Luke says, but there's this other group that Jesus is talking to. And so he told another parable. And he told this parable because there seemed to be a group of people who were trusting in themselves that they were righteous, that they were spiritually secure with their life. And they were really terrible to other people. And he says, okay, guys, I want to tell you a story. Two men go up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. Now, that would have kind of hinted that this man knew his Bible, was obedient. He was the right kind of person to go up to the temple. The other, Jesus says, was a tax collector. A tax collector. Tax collectors were just, even by their employment, they were morally compromised. They sided with the Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people. A tax collector? A tax collector, Jesus says. And the Pharisee goes up. And it says he, he stands a little bit off. Now, the, the temple to Jewish people was the most holy place you could get to. They believe, and we believe, that God is everywhere. And yet God, in that moment, put his focused presence in the temple and so it was very special. And so it wouldn't have just been these two men praying. It probably would have been dozens, hundreds of people all going towards the temple praying. But Jesus says, this Pharisee stands off. And he says, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I am not like everybody else. All of these other people that are as not as good as me. Now, let's give him credit. He doesn't presume that he's just, you know, totally good on his own. He at least has the decency to thank God that he's better than everybody else in the world. There's a little bit of humility there, just, just a little bit. But he says, 
I do everything spiritually right. He says, I fast when I'm supposed to, even more than I'm supposed to. He says, I give from everything that I get. I am doing the right things for you, God. Thank you. Jesus says, okay, that's one man. There's this other man. And he says, and this man is standing off. It's interesting, the words are slightly different, but we're meant to see that they're both kind of not with the crowd. We're both meant to, to notice them. For me, when I, when I read that, I thought to myself, you, you know why? Sometimes I bump into people in life, and I presume I know that they're either good people or bad people. That they either don't deserve my grace, my forgiveness, my tenderness, or they do. Jesus says, if you probably walked up to the temple that day, you would have seen these two men standing off. And unless you knew who they were, you might not have been able to figure out who was the tax collector and who was the Pharisee. But he says, this tax collector stands off And he doesn't say, thank you that I'm better than all these other people praying. It says, he doesn't even put his head up. He keeps his face down. He's probably wrinkled up, you know, kind of curled in on himself. And apparently he's, he's, he's hitting his chest, Jesus says. He starts to hit his chest. And he, he simply says, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus asks the question, who's justified? He says, I want to tell you that that man who couldn't even look up who didn't talk about his offerings, who didn't talk about his, his fasting, that man who couldn't even look up, who was coming from all the right, wrong places, doing all the wrong things with his life, he went down spiritually secure. He went down spiritually secure. Why? Because if, if, you, if you lift yourself up, you're going to fall over. But if you lower yourself, if you humble yourself, then God's going to lift you up. This is how the author James says it. I, I love this. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It seems like the Pharisee was padding his resume. Lord, I do this, and I do this, and I do this. The tax collector didn't even bring a resume. <laughs> he says, I I've got nothing, God. He understood. He couldn't impress God with his accomplishments. He understood that, that he didn't have all the right things to earn God's attention, to say, hey, God, I'm bringing all these things. Now will you listen to my prayer? And so what he did was just simply ask for God's mercy. I 
And see, what we understand is that our prayers don't come from doing all the right things. Which means that you can have a week that is kind of totally sideways, totally turned around. You can have a week where you get into a fight with your spouse and you're short with your kids or you, you lose it at work or, or you, you, um, you run every yellow light that's there because you're late. Where you do all the wrong things. And yet if you're willing to come humbly to God, God's willing to interact with you. And so we've got these two things, right? We've got this idea that Jesus gives this one story of persistence and this one story of humility. But what happens when we actually, we listen to this instruction together? Well, what we see is that God wants us to persist in our prayers, but he does not want us to persist in our pride. What he teaches us is that it is not your accomplishments. It's not your qualifications that earn you an audience with God. It's the fact that in the character of God, he is good and he is merciful and he wants to hear what's going on in your life. Let me say that again. God is good, and he cares, and he wants to hear what's going on in your life. See, what happens is that for some of us, we, we don't pray because we feel like, you know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe Maybe we haven't earned it. Maybe we're doing the wrong thing. We, we, we feel like we are too low and we misunderstand. But for some of us, we look at prayer almost like a negotiation between equals. And we also misunderstand what prayer is meant to be. See, prayer is meant to be this place where you're honest where you're honest about your needs, where you're willing to trust God. Prayer is, quite honestly, a, an act of vulnerability. So I, I brought this chair up on stage. Uh, anybody want to come up and sit on it? Anybody? Uh, so, so we were cleaning up, and um, this thing's a beauty. Uh, Charlotte and her family are going to hatch from the back of it in a few hours, I think. And um, I don't know, um, maybe Pastor Stewart, who left in the 90s, bought this. Um, it's got a nice little crack in it here. You see that? A little wiggle. Um, you know what? I'm not going to sit in this chair. You know why? Because I do not trust that chair. I think that if I sat in that chair right now, I would land on the floor and be in danger of repeating that sixth grade incident where I split my pants. And I just got back from vacation and I don't want to have to look for a new job. And so I'm not going to sit in that chair because I do not trust that chair. Right? Because obviously, I'm not going to put my weight on something that I don't trust. Obviously. 
There are some of us, and we would declare, I trust God. I trust God. He's going to take care of me. I know he's going to take care of me. But let me ask you, are you actually putting the weight of your prayers on God? Because that is what prayer is. It, it's, it's sitting in the chair. It's putting our weight down. I think there are some of us that are kind of doing one of these. Like, I, no, I'm sitting down. No, you're, you're not sitting down. You're just kind of looking awkward. But God invites us to actually put our trust in him. To recognize that he is going to hold us up. That's hard for some of us. That's a challenge. Maybe to, to, to use the, the image from that second parable, there are some of us that we, we go up to the temple, but we don't open our mouth. We don't actually pray. And, and maybe it's even because we say, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, I, if, if, it's a, if it's a big enough thing. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, we, we, we can throw a lot of humility around to say why we don't. But maybe it's because we actually think that God is like that chair, which is probably the worst comparison I can possibly imagine, because look at that thing. And so we're just silent. We say nothing. But do you know what the problem is? Silence can sometimes look like humility. But often our silence is not tied to our humility, it's tied to our pride. We wrap it in humility. We pretend that it's humility, but we're worried about falling on our backside and splitting our pants. And so we would rather not trust in God or even try to trust in God. I bet probably for many of us, if, if we've walked with God for any spirit, season of time, there are probably things that you wish you could ask for. But you know, I, I don't want to ask for them and then him not give them. I, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to have to deal in my heart with that. So I'm just not going to ask. I'm going to stay silent. I don't want to bother God. That's what it is. That's what it is. I, I don't want to bother God. But let me tell you. If the only prayers that you offer God are prayers that you can accomplish with the resources that you already have, you're not trusting in God. Even if you say you do. God calls us to pray, to persist, and to know that we need him to care for us. He calls us to actually grab a hold of him and bring the things that we 
want, the things that we need, the things that we, that we are hoping for in our life. Now, the Bible says that there are going to be some times where you pray for things and God doesn't answer you because the thing that you're praying for is selfish and destructive and God's not going to give you anything destructive. But God wants to give his people good things. Maybe not immediately, <laughs> unfortunately. But he wants us to pray to him. Not because you're awesome. Not because you did all the right things last week. Not because you said all the right words. You read your Bible in the right way. You are just, you are working it well. But simply because you know that you need his mercy. And let me tell you really, really honestly, there is mercy for you if you want it. Jesus actually laid down his life. He died so that he would be able to offer each of you all the mercy you will ever need in your entire life. And it's yours if you'll take it. So, we have to ask, though, are we going to take it? Now, for some of you, maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're just processing Christianity. Maybe you're just here. You, you came with a friend. You know, you're, you're still new to this stuff. I, I hope that you would know that this is a place where you can process what faith means where you can process, what would it mean to, to trust Jesus? What would it mean to follow Jesus? That's awesome. And maybe for you, if, if, you're, if you're new and processing Christianity, then maybe what's one thing in your life that you can bring to God in prayer? And say, Lord, I'm not sure if I'm going to sit yet. I, don't, I honestly don't know if, I'm, if I can trust you yet but I'm willing to lean a little bit and see if you hold me up. But there are others here. And, and you, you've been here longer maybe, or you've been in other churches longer. And, and you're, you're not even thinking about leaning Because you're worried that you, you have this identity and this place in a community because, you know, you, you've said all the right things and you do all the right things, so to speak. And externally, you know, you're like, yeah, I fit. This is great. But let me ask you just really honestly, as if it was just me and you in this room, for some of you, do you actually trust that God can do stuff in your life? That he cares for you? That he will provide for you? Do you have just some social comfort in being here? It's a pretty building. You know, there's good pastries now. It's awesome. It's worth it. But do you see God like the chair sitting behind me? I would 
beg you to reconsider. I would beg you to reconsider and know that God will take care of you. Maybe not in the way that you would immediately demand. Maybe not in the timing that you would immediately expect. But that he is good and he wants to take care of you. And so let me just say this. Let me invite you. If if you've been around, you've never prayed for anything, honestly, beyond the resources that you have to kind of do it on your own and kind of squidge it with some family and friends' help, I would encourage you to pray. And guess what? Maybe, maybe, what's the worst case scenario? He, he, he doesn't answer your prayer? Okay. But let me say this. I, I think it would be better for us as a church if we were a smaller church that believed that we could trust God, that we could put our weight in him and know that he would care for us, rather than being a large church full of people who were terrified to even lean on him because he's not going to take care of us. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life. And I don't, I hope... And, and if, if it comes across as glib or rude or, or, or unkind, I'm sorry. But I can tell you that, that, that there have not been one or two or three or four things, but countless moments in my life where I felt like the world was over where it was done and finished. I saw no way out. I saw no hope. And I had what felt like spiritually in my lungs, a last breath where I said, God, you got to do something because this is all I got. And I have seen him answer that prayer over and over again. There have also been times in my life where I've had all this energy and excitement and focus, and there has been something that I want to see changed. And I have begged God And I have prayed, and I have asked, and I've asked, and sometimes I've seen those things answered. There's a church in Pittsburgh that did not exist in 2010. There's a whole church with elders and deacons and saints. They are all worshiping God right now because Joanne and I and a number of, a small group of people persisted in that prayer, Lord, plant this church. I tell you what, a, a, a it was a college group with a, with a few ESV Bibles. It was not what would make up a church, and yet it is there existing, caring for people, loving people, because we would persist in that prayer. And there are some times where I've persistently prayed, and the Lord has shaped how I pray. And so often I'll, I'll, I'll say, Lord, give Sylvan as much strength, as much care as you possibly will. And the other day, Joanna said, Sam, watch this. And he grabbed a spoon from her and he jammed it into his cheek. That's something he never would have done nine months ago. And I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
but God invites us to pray. He invites us to bring our heart's desires, not with pride, not with pomp, not smugly, but humbly. Humbly persisting and knowing that God wants to take care of you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this holy word. We ask, there's, there's probably things that I, I didn't get to cover, or, or there's, I know there's aspects of prayer that, that I, I didn't talk about. I pray that this one interaction with your word would lead to others, that we would have other opportunities, other moments, other times to examine prayer and think about it and talk about it. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. We thank you that you care. We thank you that it is not about our credentials here this morning, but it is about your mercy. And you have plenty of mercy, and Lord, we need plenty of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.